Uh, Rachel is going to bring our first reading. Chapter 16, verses 9 to 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia before being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace. the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gates by the river, where we sat supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshipper of God, was listening to us. And she was from the city of Thyatria and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. We stand for our gospel reading that Mandy will bring to us. Let's just pray for Mandy before she preaches. Father, we thank you for what you have laid on Mandy's heart to share with us. May you be her divine editor as she speaks to us. In Jesus' name, thank you. The Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 14, verses 21, sorry, 23 to 29. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Do have a seat. I'm going to start by, I was um, in my early teens, on the occasions when my mum used to leave the house and leave me and my brother at home, she'd get to the front door, she'd turn around and she'd always say the same two things. Don't answer the door to strangers and don't fiddle with the gas taps. Now, we rarely answered the door to strangers and we never touched the gas taps, but they were her two key things. 
because they were the things she thought would help keep us safe. They weren't her last... I think if she was saying goodbye to us, she'd say something a little bit different. But they were her key things, key messages. And when my children were teenagers, we got to a stage where Stuart and I thought, we can leave them at home for a bit, and we decided to fly off to Rome for a holiday. Now, I'm not good at flying. In fact, to be honest, I can't fly at all. I don't have the wings for it. But um, I do get very, very nervous. And as it was leading up to it, I started thinking... What if something happens? When I get on a plane, I use all my concentration up, focusing on not shouting out, how? How does this plane stay up in the air? And don't tell me the physics, because it makes no difference. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I decided to counteract my fear, I would write to my children a letter each. Like my, the last thing I might say to them, just in case anything happens. Well, then I feel better, because I think I've told them stuff. But I didn't mention the gas taps... I didn't mention passing their exams well. I didn't mention getting a nice car or anything like that. I can't actually remember what I wrote, but it was from the heart. I literally got a bit of paper for each of them and wrote the first thing that came to me. And I know the essence of what I wrote was how much I loved them, how much God loved them and what beautiful people God had made them to be and that actually following Jesus was the most important thing. And even though at the time they didn't have a particularly strong faith of their own they needed to turn to him and when times were tough he would see them through love and faith as it turned out were the most important things and I say that that question and get you to think because this reading today from John is nestled in the middle of four or five chapters in John where Jesus is talking to his friends for the last time this is the last supper And it's as if he's taken all the last three years of their life together, they're living and breathing together, watching miracles take place, all the teaching, and he's condensing it all down into two hours, and he's saying, right, if you remember nothing else, remember this. It's stuff for them to sit up and take notice of. And when I read through the whole thing, the two things that came out were love and faith. Now, Keith spoke last week about love, and he spoke about Jesus giving us a new kainos commandment, which was not just to love others as ourselves, but raising the bar higher, he says, I want you to love others as I have loved you, which is a big ask and a big raising of the bar. But it's it's okay, because he says, as you love me, you will obey my commands and I will come and live with you. I will come and live amongst you. And I think he said this last week as well, that saying, if you love me, you will obey me, sounds like a bit of a, do that or else. But it wasn't like that. He's saying it because as we love somebody, we want to please them. We want to do their will. We want to live in harmony with them. And when he promises us that he'll come and live with us, that makes it even better It's a thing that's repeated over and over again. He continually keeps saying, when you love me, you'll obey me. And he also keeps saying, and he says it again in the next chapter, come and make yourself at home in my love, just as I make myself at home in you. And it's a lovely picture of being made to feel at home. And when I think about that saying, make yourself at home, I think about when I go and stay with my brother and his family. And they always say to me, Make yourself at home 
And in my mind, that means shoes off and slippers on. I'm not rushing away, I'm putting my coat down, I'm not dashing, I'm staying, I'm making myself comfortable and I'm going to become part of your household. We're going to learn to live together for a few days. And for me that means I know where their recycling places are in their house and their recycling is totally different from ours, but fine, I learn how to do their recycling. I know that when I boil their kettle I need to make sure I turn it away from the overhead cupboard, otherwise the steam will warp the wood. I know how they like their tea and coffee. I know what mugs the children like to use. I learn how to do things their way. And we live in a form of harmony, as much as you can when there's two young children in a house and a very boisterous dog. But we feel comfortable. And what Jesus is saying here is that as I've come and make myself at home in you, he talks about the advocate, the Holy Spirit that he is sending And each of us, when we turn to Jesus and accept him into our life, we get the Holy Spirit comes in as as an extra bonus, a big bonus. And he comes and lives within us and inside us. And as he lives inside us, he helps us to learn how to live the way God wants. It's the same sort of thing. We learn to live together. We learn the ways of Jesus. He empowers us to live his way. And where Jesus says... Loving me empowers you to do my will. The Holy Spirit is within us. He is the one who is empowering us and helping us to do God's will. An illustration of this is in our Acts reading today where we find Paul and Silas. And they have, just prior to our reading, been desperately trying to obey the command of God, which is to go and tell the world all about him. And they've been trying to go to different provinces and places. And every time they try and go somewhere, the Holy Spirit blocks their path. It says in the Bible, they are prevented from going. So it's like they're trying to push doors and can't get through. Maybe now we say we're trying to get a ticket and the tickets have sold out or whatever it is. We don't know how it happens, but the Holy Spirit prevents them from going. And then Paul has this dream. And in this dream, this man from Macedonia is saying, come Come, he's begging them, come to us. We need to hear this message. I looked at where Macedonia is. It's where northern Greece is now. So it's over to to my right, your left. Over there somewhere. I'm very good at geography, as you can tell. Uh, But it's actually the first time they've been to Europe. Up until now, they've not been into Europe. So this is a new thing for them. And it says that they immediately got up and prepared to go and they left. There's no hanging around. They're desperate to be obedient. They know it's from God because they've been living with the Holy Spirit within them and they recognise his voice. They recognise this dream is from him. So off they go. And they get to Philippi, which is the main town there, and it's there that they join a prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting is outside the city walls. And I believe, I read somewhere that on the city walls of Philippi, it says in big letters, no unauthorised religions inside. Which is why the Jews are having their prayer meeting outside on the riverbanks. And while they're there and they're talking, they get talking to Lydia, who is a very wealthy and successful businesswoman of the town. She has been searching for God already and she's responded to what she knows by going to the prayer meeting and joining the other women there who are praying. 
And it says in the reading that God opens her heart. And when she hears what Paul and Silas are saying, and they're talking about Jesus and what he's done, bam, it all makes sense to her, and she accepts Jesus into her life. And it says that not only was she baptised, but she looked outward from herself, gathered her family and her household together, and they got to hear about it, and they got baptised as well. So the ripples of her listening and accepting the message just spread and spread and spread. And I suspect they went further because she was so influential. The ripples are big, but they're all because Paul and Silas had the Holy Spirit inside them, empowering them to be obedient to him. They knew they were where they were meant to be. And in fact, the Holy Spirit was already at work in Lydia, and they just came in and joined in with what the Holy Spirit was already doing. And I think that Lydia might well be the first European converted to Christianity, certainly the first one mentioned in the Bible. So it's a momentous day for them. Now I want to give you an illustration from my own life, which is also very recent. And actually, the reading was from Maundy Thursday, the Last Supper, and this happened on Maundy Thursday of this year. I was due to be in Rochester at the cathedral with Bimby and Keith and other leaders from the church for the Maundy Thursday service and like a recommissioning for us. But for various reasons, I found myself driving down the M2 with my husband Stuart and his dad to watch Kent playing cricket at Canterbury for the first time this year. And the traffic was fairly busy and it was getting more and more congested and suddenly... I was in the faster of the two lanes, going probably 40, 50 miles an hour, not really fast, but fast enough. Suddenly, the traffic up ahead ground to a complete halt. Everybody slammed on their brakes, and unfortunately, the girl behind us wasn't able to brake enough, so she whammed into the back of us, and um, there we were on the motorway, okay. I was so relieved that I'd stopped, and I thought, what was that? (laughs) Um, So we were in this car crash on the motorway, Fortunately, it was just the two cars involved, and we managed to get both of them over to the hard shoulder, got out to have a look. The car behind was completely mashed up. The bonnet was actually on the road. Somebody had to go and collect it, obviously written off, and it turned out later that ours was as well, although we could still drive it. But the important thing was that none of us were injured at all. We weren't, didn't have a scratch on us. We weren't remotely hurt, which was, I was very thankful for. I helped, um, the girl's name was Jessica. To be honest, she reminded me of one of our ex-push girls and I mothered her a little bit, if if I'm honest. But she needed mothering and I told her, phone your mum. So she phoned her mum and then uh, I helped her with the phone call to the insurance company and gave her answers to questions and things. When I knew everything was all right and somebody was coming to collect her, I turned to leave. And as I was about to go, I turned back to her and I said... Jessica, I'm a Christian. I just wondered, would it be okay if I prayed for you before I go? Now, you know sometimes you get little thoughts in your head and you feel like, I should be offering to pray or I should be inviting them to church this Sunday or I should at least admit I go to church occasionally. And you wrestle with it in your mind and the conversation carries on. You go, okay, if there's an opportunity, no, miss that one. No, miss that one. And sometimes we miss the opportunity to completely... Other times we do take it. On this occasion, I barely had time to think. I hardly even noticed the nudge. It was so quick, and I felt so sure it was what I was meant to do. 
It was, I've never had that happen before. It was really quite strange. Um, but I prayed for her. And she actually said to me, oh, yes, you can pray. Her face lit up. She said, my mum's a Christian. Yeah, you can pray. I'm used to it. <laughs> used to having strange women coming and praying for me. So there we were on the side of the M2. And the prayer was slightly lighthearted because I thanked God for the accident. And then I looked at her and said, well, I don't really mean for the accident, but thank you, we're okay. <laughs> um, but I prayed for God to give her healing because although she looked well I was worried she might be anxious about driving another time you know I prayed that she'd have no long lasting effects but mostly I prayed that God would fill her with his peace and we said goodbye and I got in the car and off we went a week or so later I sent that story to Mike and Elaine Hutchins who edit the Crofton Courier because I thought oh it's a story that might encourage other people to share their faith in unusual circumstances And Mike emailed me back, and one of the things he said was, I truly believe if you'd not told Jessica that you were a Christian, she would just have thought that you were a nice, caring lady. And I think he's right. There's lots of people who are very nice, but the Christian bit is a whole different thing. And I truly believe I was where I was meant to be. A little bit like Paul and Silas. They were pushing all these doors and not getting anywhere. I thought I was meant to be in Rochester, but actually I was meant to be on the M2 and I was meant to meet Jessica. I could have done without the accident, if I'm honest. (laughs) It's a bit of a pain. But however it happened, I was meant to meet her. She said her mum was a Christian and I'm a Christian mum and I know that her mum will be praying for her regularly. And my prayer is that my encounter with her and my prayer for her will have been part of her faith journey and her building up and maybe one day somebody will swoop in uh, and be Paul and Silas there were no baptisms on the side of the M2 I have you know there was no water so I couldn't what could I do Um, but I do pray that that is part of her journey she's not going to forget that day because she had her first major car accident she's not going to forget it and I pray God will continue to work in her back to the John reading we've talked about love the second thing he talks about is faith and he does it in a slightly well he talks about peace actually but faith is very much part of it because he says I leave my peace with you don't surrender or yield to your fear trust me how easy is that (laughs) I think as Christians this command can make us feel very guilty sometimes because we all have worries and concerns we all get fearful at times We all have difficulties when we're just... And we know in our heads, trust God, have faith in God. We know he's there for us. We've just been singing that wonderful song. He's behind me, he goes before me, he's right by my side. He is. But getting that belief from our heads to our hearts, sometimes there's a bit of a blockage there and it doesn't get through. And we can feel guilty that we are worrying. But we're not to feel guilty. We're not to feel guilty. Jesus says... Um, later on he says there will be troubles in this life but I've overcome all of it so we're not to he knows we're going to have difficulties but peace can be difficult and if I'm honest with you when I was driving down the M2 on that day I was not feeling my best and I've not been feeling my best for some time in fact I was feeling quite low Um, we've had various changes and things going on in our family over the recent months and it's been really difficult and I was not feeling myself I was feeling low I was feeling 
vulnerable in some ways and I've been shutting myself away from the world I know I have I know I've been hiding away I still don't feel completely right now I'm okay but I'm telling you this because I'm hoping it's going to help somebody so I wasn't feeling at my best one of the things I found helpful during this time of feeling a bit fragile was to come into church and sit here and I used to come in as the service started because I couldn't face talking to lots of people even though you're all lovely. Um, and getting in just as the service started and sitting here and as the worship and the prayers began, letting it just wash over me. A lot of the time I didn't have the energy to join in with the singing myself, but listening to the words and just having all of my lovely church family praying and singing around me was very, very healing and really powerful. And I'd, I'd commend that to anybody. So you don't have to come in and be all... You don't have to be singing all the time. You can just sit and rest here and let the worship around you hold you. The funny thing with this accident was, or one of the funny things, was that when I got out of the car, having had the crash, I was shaking like a leaf. I was like this, and I was trying... I've got the notebook and pen in the car, which I always tell the children, have it in the car, just in case. I couldn't hold the pen, couldn't hold my phone. Stuart had to take down phone numbers and details because I just I was shaking so much from the shock of it. After I'd prayed for Jessica, when I got back in the car, I was calm as a mill pond. You think nothing had happened at all. In fact, my father-in-law didn't think anything had happened, but that's another story. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, I felt so peaceful. And I'm sure part of it was that when I prayed for peace for Jessica... I think God blessed me with some of the same. But I also think part of it was I actually felt quite elated. I've just had a car accident. Why would I feel elated? I think I felt elated and uplifted because I was confident, like Paul and Silas, that I'd been where I was meant to be. And I'd, for once, obeyed the nudge. And I had said, I'm a Christian, and I'd prayed. And I think the joy of being obedient, I can't overemphasise it. Even in that moment of trauma, it was wonderful and the lesson from it is really that God can use us even when we feel useless even when we feel down and out and hopeless and the reason is that none of this is about us and that accident wasn't about me it's all about God the Holy Spirit is inside us he's the one who does the work it's not me it's not you We just have to allow him to use us and he can use any of us, however we are feeling. The final verse of the reading um, in the uh, Passion Translation says this, I'm telling you all these things so that when things happen, you would trust and cling to me. When all these things happen, you would trust and cling to me. And I think Jesus wasn't just talking about the fact that the disciples were about to have the most traumatic 24 hours of their lives as they watched their best friend and their teacher and their rabbi be torn from them, tortured and crucified. That's fairly major. I don't think he's just talking about that. I think he's also talking about all the ups and downs that we experience in our lives, the highs and the lows. Sometimes we go through not just days or weeks of difficulty, but it can be years of what feels to be struggle. I'm telling you these things so you would trust and cling to me. I have felt 
in recent months like I am. I'm clinging on, but I'm not letting go. And I know that God's not letting go. He doesn't let any of us go. He is there always. But I think it's encouraging that Jesus tells us this. And as I mentioned earlier, in chapter 16, a couple of chapters on, he says, you will have trouble. This life is not always easy. In this world, there will be trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. That is the Jesus who's saying, trust me, have my peace. He has overcome the world. He's about to die on a cross for you and me. That's how much we can trust him. That's how much he's overcome everything. He has the power over all of it, no matter what we're going through. And I'm not belittling what you're going through right now. I know some things are extremely difficult. But God is in it with us, and we cling on to him. A final word on peace that he talks about. I found, when, particularly when things have been difficult, but I'm trying to do this every day, and I don't always remember, but I'm trying to ask Jesus to walk me through my day. And in the morning when I remember, and I try and do it when I'm cleaning my teeth, that's my trigger, I try to remember to pray, Jesus, thank you for today. Can you just walk beside me? Just let me see your presence through today. And at different moments in the day when I get a bit of quiet, and I, again when I remember, which I don't always do, checking in with him, telling him how I'm feeling, or what's coming up, or just saying, can you just help me through the next hour? And sometimes it is an hour by hour thing. And you might say that prayer when you're boiling the kettle, when you're getting in your car, when you're in the bathroom, wherever it is, just a little trigger. Help me through the next hour. And then at the end of the day, to look back and be thankful that our faithful God, of course he's there. He's been with you all the way through and he will continue to be because his love never fails. I'm aware I've talked about lots and lots of different things this morning. Um, What I want to do as I finish is just to read out four of the things that Jesus says in this reading um, from the Passion Translation, which is slightly different. And I'm going to leave a little pause after each one. I'm praying that one of these things will have resonated with you today and you can almost forget the rest and just let that one thing rest with you. Um, So let's pray. Jesus says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. He promises, we will come and make our home with you. Jesus says, I leave the gift of peace with you. Peace I leave with you. And finally he says, when all of these things happen, you will trust and cling to me. Father, we thank you that you are a loving and faithful God. Thank you that you are behind us, you go before us, and you're beside us every step of the way. We ask that you will enable us to listen for your voice. We thank you you live within us and you empower us to do your will. And that when things are tough, you have left your peace with us. Help us to trust you more. 
We believe in you. Help our unbelief. Thank you that you are a faithful God. Amen.